Before we move to our scripture this morning, I wonder if you might pray with me. For two churches, one known to us well and another maybe not so much, Ridgewood Baptist Church in many ways is a sister church to us here in the city of Louisville, and their congregation has been deeply stricken by grief and loss after the boating accident on the river you may have read about. And so we want to remember them and Reverend Molly Schulte, their pastor, as they walk together this week and in the days ahead. I also want to remember Benson Baptist Church, a CBF church in Benson, North Carolina. Their minister to children and youth, Reverend Felicia Fox, was killed by a drunk driver this week. And so I ask that you remember them and Reverend Dr. Lawrence Powers as they grieve together. Let us pray. God, we pray for all those who are hurting and grieving this morning. We pray especially for Ridgewood Baptist Church here in Louisville and for Benson Baptist Church in North Carolina as they grieve and struggle and support one another. We ask that you draw near to them. Remind them that you are with them and they are not alone. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 5 through 12. Hear these words. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, that has become the chief cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Stokely Carmichael once said this, If a white man wants to kill me, that's his problem. If he's got the power to kill me, that's my problem. Racism is not a question of attitude. It is a question of power. Racism is not a question of attitude. It is a question of power. So spoke Stokely Carmichael. We will return to his words, but our text this morning, as you have just heard, is actually from the book of Acts. And in our book of Acts, in this passage, we have two disciples in trouble. You might have missed their names, but we can look just before our passage today and see that it's Peter and John, and they are in trouble. They've run afoul of the religious establishment. 
If we look at the clues in the text, we find that Peter and John are in trouble because they have healed someone in the name of Christ. Or in other words, they are practicing resurrection. They are working against the reality of death in their midst to bring life. But in doing so, they've gotten in trouble. I think what we have here is a question of power. The question of power is always somewhere if we're honest, but in this story, for Peter and John, the question of power is central. In response to the questioning by the authorities, Peter says some things, as one does, and I want to focus on two parts of his response. First, Peter says that Jesus is the stone that was rejected by the builders, the rejected stone that has become the chief cornerstone. The stone that was rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And then Peter finishes with a little bit more difficult of a line in our passage today. He says, there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. So what can these things mean for us. What does it mean for us that Jesus is the stone that was rejected and has become the chief cornerstone? I'd like to invite you to think with me perhaps that Jesus identifies with those who are rejected. Jesus identifies with those who are rejected by the builders, or in other words, the powerful. Put another way, Jesus is with those who are rejected Jesus is with those who are discriminated against, those who are marginalized, those who are dehumanized. Jesus is with them. But who are these people? People struggling in poverty. Jesus is with you. People struggling with addiction. Jesus is with you. People struggling in and out of homelessness. Jesus is with you because Jesus identifies with the poor, with the addicted, and with the homeless. Jesus is with you who are rejected and dehumanized, you who have been abused, you who are victims of violence, you who are discriminated against because of your race, because of your gender, because of who you love, because of your class or your past. Jesus is with you. You who grieve and mourn, Jesus is with you. Jesus, the rejected, has been made the chief cornerstone. God, in other words, is doing a new thing and in the world that God is creating now, today, the rejected will become the chief cornerstones. I owe an apology to the lawyers of our congregation for what I'm about to say, but you must know there are a lot of ideas that I did not include in this sermon. But just imagine... What if those who know addiction were invited to shape the laws and policies in our country for addiction? What if the incarcerated could vote right now from prison? And this is the apology to the lawyers, was for this. If you think about the Supreme Court, for its history, it has been filled with prosecutors. But what if the Supreme Court included members far more who served as public defenders? Or what if even the Supreme Court had someone on it who had been imprisoned themselves? This is the kind of thing God is doing. The rejected 
will become the chief cornerstones. So let's move to that second, more difficult bit. Peter saying there is salvation and no one else. As with all scripture, when we come to this line, we have a choice to make, and you might take it to be a statement of exclusion. And you would be warranted to do so. Many have done it. You could take this statement to mean that only those who profess Jesus as Lord will find salvation. But we have another option. Thomas Long offers us this choice. Instead, we might read Peter to say that there is no human power that can save us or condemn us. No religious authority, no political authority, no human power that can offer you or keep you from salvation. That means that those who reject you on this earth, they cannot take your humanity from you. No human can offer you salvation, for that power is God's. So what does this all mean for us, then? Perhaps a life of faith is participation in this new thing that God is doing. Perhaps it means that practicing resurrection is the work to which we are called to work against the forces of death, against the forces of dehumanization, and against the forces of injustice, which are legion here in this life. Now, if we pay attention to scripture and if we pay attention to what we know of our world, we know that this kind of work will get you in trouble. Some might call it good trouble. And the reason it will get you in trouble is because practicing resurrection disrupts the power structures under which we live and the powerful who uphold them. But a word of caution. God is not the great co-signer. We cannot claim to be participators in God's work if we are perpetrators of those things that God is undoing. God never leaves us. But God does not co-sign our bad behavior. That's why we need a community of faith to walk with, so we don't convince ourselves that our cause is just when it is not. This is actually why people have sponsors and mentors and therapists and friends. Our discernment is best when we have help. Now, you might be thinking, hearing all of this, I am not rejected. I don't feel discriminated against. I don't feel dehumanized. And if that's the case, congratulations. But your calling then is to make the same choice that Jesus has made, to side with those who are rejected and to practice resurrection alongside them in the face of dehumanization and death. I don't have a story or a quote to neatly tie this all together, but I really struggled this week to find good news. Earlier this week, we finally received news from Minneapolis that the man who murdered George Floyd, who was videoed murdering George Floyd, is going to jail for murder. And that is what accountability demands but that doesn't bring George Floyd back. What's more, one person held accountable does not change the whole system, 
And even as this verdict was received, news of police killing children and adults around the country who should be alive. And so we return to Stokely Carmichael's question of power. The question of power is central in our lives and it is vexing if we're honest to find ourselves at the limits of our own power. I am just one person, you are just one person. And as individuals, we have the most power over ourselves. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, does not stop at self-improvement. Practicing resurrection, yes, is a call to love ourselves, but it is ultimately a call to collective action, to practice a resurrection that has meaning in the world, materially, for people's lives, resurrection that upends power structures and brings about justice. It's not just about attitudes. Sensitivity training and book reading, those are helpful, but they are not the whole story. Not attitudes, but power. Not me as an individual, what can I do, but we as a people working together to leverage our collective power for resurrection. In desperation this week, I found myself Googling things like, good news, please help, on the internet. And so I came to this question of, what does resurrection look like here in our home of Louisville? Well, I found some answers and some examples. Just this week, Councilwoman Cassie Chambers and Councilman Ja'Cory Arthur advocated an ordinance approved by Metro Council this week to provide free legal services for low-income families facing eviction. A right to legal counsel for those who can't afford it in the crisis of eviction, that is practicing resurrection. We have a lot of teachers in our congregation, a lot of students, and a lot of people who care about JCPS. In the past few years, elementary students have been getting suspended at increasing and alarming rates. Not just that, though. There are, are alarming discrepancies. One in 11 black students in elementary school suspended compared to one in 51 white students. That's not the good news. The good news, though, is that JCPS is moving towards banning all suspensions for students from pre-K to third grade, moving from rejection to a more compassionate community for our youngest children. That's practicing resurrection. The numbers are fluid, but there are an estimated 5,000 vacant homes and properties in Louisville. 5,000 vacant homes and properties. And the census tells us that there are close to 7,000 homeless people. 5,000 vacant properties and 7,000 homeless neighbors, that is an opportunity to practice resurrection. We can move even closer to our own experiences, those in our congregation and our community. If you are getting sober one day at a time, you are practicing resurrection. If you are getting help with those things that you have been carrying and you are no longer carrying them alone, you are practicing resurrection. If you have taken a new name because the name you were given is not the name for which you were made, you are practicing resurrection. If you are asking for forgiveness because you know that you need it, you are practicing resurrection. 
But if you are practicing forgiveness, letting go of anger even though you are right to be angry, you are practicing resurrection. If today's trouble is enough for today, and if you are working hard to live life one day at a time, the good news is that God is on your side. For all of us, Jesus himself in our midst, as we struggle, as we grieve, as we labor, as we celebrate, as we live life each day. The Good Shepherd has a flock that is broad and roomy and welcoming. We do not have to be afraid, for we do not work for resurrection alone. Amen.